Welcome to New Life with Adam Camp. This podcast is a ministry of Rosemont Baptist Church in LaGrange, Georgia. Please visit us on the web at rosemontchurch.org. Enjoy the podcast. Father, again, we're thankful for just an incredible time of worship, Lord, and, and celebration of who you are and of what you've done in our hearts and our lives. I thank you, Lord, that we have the opportunity now in our, in our worship to move into a time of study where we open the truth of your word. Father, I pray that it would speak clearly to our hearts. Lord, I pray for that person right now who came, not really because they wanted to, but because it was Sunday morning and they just felt like they had to and they're not really here to hear anything. Lord, I pray you would break their hearts right now. Just invade their heart right now with the Spirit, Lord. Speak clearly to us, Lord. Let your word just resonate in our hearts and our lives and then through the power of the Holy Spirit. May we be transformed more into the image of your Son, Jesus Christ. It's in his precious name that we pray. Amen. Well, this has been an incredible week for our church. If you do not know what we did last week, where have you been the last six weeks? Hopefully you are familiar with what's been going on with Mission LaGrange. But last week, we sent people out all over this community, even down to Pine Mountain, with one simple goal. We wanted to love the people of this area in the name of Jesus Christ. And so we had a lot of different ministries going on. I wanted to kind of walk through those ministries just for a second, just to kind of give you a scope of everything that took place last week. We had three different Bible clubs that went on Monday through Friday. Every day we had a Bible club in Granger Park. We had a Bible club in Greenbrier, uh, the pool area, the subdivision there off of Stewart Road. We had a Bible club down in Pine Mountain, down behind the fire station, the police department, that big field down there, that beautiful oak tree. Kids came all week and heard the gospel presented very clearly every single day. We went to the Emmaus House, which is a local women's shelter here in town. Did great ministry there. Made a connection at the Emmaus House that I got a feeling is going to keep going for a long time. We did laundromat ministry where we walked into laundromats with sacks full of quarters and paid for people's laundry to be done. You want to minister to somebody? Go do that. While their clothes are being washed, guess what you now have the opportunity to do? Just talk with them. (laughs) Share Christ, tell them about what we're doing, love them in the name of Jesus Christ. We had multiple nursing home visits. We had a lot of people that went into the nursing home to love on those people that oftentimes don't get loved on. We had a construction crew that did a lot of work down at Hope Harbor outside of Warm Springs. It's a shelter for women that have addiction issues, and it's an incredible ministry down there. They put in some brand new flooring for those ladies down there who were just thrilled to be a blessed and to be a part of that ministry. We did kits for foster kids. We made kits that when they pull these kids out of homes, oftentimes very quickly, they don't even have a chance to get a change of clothes or a toothbrush. We made kits. We made almost 100 kits for those kids to be used in those foster situations. And sadly, some of them have already been used. We got word this week. We did prayer walking all over the city. We had maps that were distributed to people that were assigned certain subdivisions, certain areas. There's a real good chance that your part of town was prayed over. We took food to the fire stations, the sheriff's department, the police department. In fact, uh, Sheriff James Woodruff wrote us a very nice letter very complimentary of what we're doing and just so excited to live in a community where churches are willing to reach out and love people in the name of Jesus Christ. We had our students 
that walked around ball fields and they literally handed out water bottles and just told people about Jesus. The very last night, they showed up at one of the ballparks, and it was apparently a big tournament going on, and it was just as it was ending, and people, as they told me, were just streaming out of the ball field to their cars, and they, got just, they gave out all the water they had, and they'd give out water until they were done, and then they'd start a, a soccer game, and all the local kids would come and just join in playing soccer. They got to share Jesus. We've seen so many different people involved in so many different ministries, and, and by the way, these are just the ones I know about. I got calls and emails from people that kind of gave me a different idea. They said something like this. Hey, I went and did this ministry and I went and loved on this person. It's so funny because they would usually begin with something like this. I hope it's okay, but we did a different ministry this week. Of course it's okay. That's what we want you to do. (laughs) And so we had people that just felt led of the Spirit to go and do different sorts of ministries to reach different sorts of people and just saw just an incredible success. I feel like this week, and, and, and this is the case at Rosemont oftentimes because I feel like we're actively seeking the Lord, but I thought this week in particular was exactly what the church ought to be doing. This is who we ought to be, right? This is how we ought to live our lives. I, I asked people to give me some quotes about what they had experienced this week. And I compiled, I want to read a few of them to you. Some of them were streaming before the service. I just want you to listen to these quotes. I'm not going to give you their names. But I thought the ones that I selected just kind of really hit, the, hit into the heart of what we were trying to accomplish and what the Lord did. Here, here's one quote. This week allowed me to get over myself and pour into others. And the Lord has used that to remind me of how good he is and how far I have drifted away. I want to change all that starting today. I think that's right. Another Rosemont member said this, or an attender of Rosemont said this, the thing that has surprised me this week is seeing all this need that I never noticed before. I drive past it every day as I hurry and rush. Another person said, what a joy it's been to serve and share alongside my wife and kids. And by the way, just just a little side note here. I think we need to understand something that's going on in this church. Many of you may not be aware of this. But last week during Mission LaGrange, we had lots and lots of kids that served. In fact, if you're under the age of 18 and served last week on any level, just stand up. Come on, just stand up. Don't be be shy. Look at that. Awesome. Awesome. There, there were obviously, there'll be more in the next service, more that we're not here. We, we had a ton of kids, but I want you to watch out. Now, here's where we're going with this. We are raising a generation of kids that are serious about missions. And I'm speaking as a dad right here, moms and dads. When the day comes, when one of those kids comes to you and says, I've been called to go to mission work full time, you better be ready for it. Because it's coming. You can't live for Christ like we're living. You can't do mission work like we're doing. You can't involve these kids like we've involved them and not see fruit down the road. I promise you it's coming. I had one mom that came to the Greenbrier subdivision for our kids club. She had a little, her little boy with her and she got there and she said, well, my son was asking on the way over here. He was asking about Mission LaGrange, you know, what we're doing and why we're doing it. She said, well, you know, we're, we're sharing the love of Christ. We're telling people in LaGrange about Jesus. His response to her was this, well, that's great, Mom, but when are we going to China and telling those people about Jesus? He's thinking. <laughs> you know, the Lord's already at work in his heart. Here, here's another quote from a person that was involved. This has been so easy, 
And the need is so great. This is something I can do anytime I want. Another person said, I've seen the love of Christ on the faces of our Rosemont people. And I've seen how a person's day in life can change when the church takes the time to share his love. Another said, God is so good. Kids Bible Club was held in the field behind the police station in Pine Mountain with big trees to shade us and a breeze to cool us. Listen to this. We started out with two very precious children on Monday and had 48 by Thursday. What a joy. One other person said, praying with complete strangers that have real need right here in our own community has been very powerful. God has used the Emmaus Women's Shelter this week to teach me that it's time to be intentional. Not just for one week, but every day. And to do it for the glory of His kingdom. I've been reminded over and over this week that God can take anyone from any circumstance and use them in any way as long as they're obedient to His calling. Now now this has been an, an incredible week. And I could literally stand up here for the rest of the day and talk about the stories and how God has impacted our church and how God has impacted our community. And I want you to be assured of something. We're going to talk about this for a long time to come. We're going to remember this week. We're going to remember everything that the Lord accomplished this week in Mission LaGrange. But here's what I want to think about this morning. And here's the truth that I want you to ponder today and hopefully as we move forward. We, as a body of Christ at Rosemont Baptist Church, must continue to move forward. Mission LaGrange must be the beginning, not the end. We can't look back and say, we accomplished so much last week, I can't wait till next year and we can do mission work again. We can't rest on the accomplishments of the past. We have got to constantly be moving ahead and say to the Lord, Lord, what do you have us to do tomorrow? What do you have us to do next week? How can I be missional at my job? How can my Sunday school class now pick a mission project to do every month? How can our church continue to reach this community for Christ day after day after day? Because so many people kind of do this with their life. It becomes compartmentalized. They have their work in one compartment. They have their family in a a different compartment. They have social activities, hobbies over here. They have church over here. Maybe they have ministry over here. And sometimes they're very different and they're very compartmentalized. But for me at least, this week is about combining those things. Because we've seen people say something like this. You know, I can involve my family in ministry. (laughs) I can do ministry at work. I had one lady tell me about how she was convicted about prayer walking at the hospital. She works there. She sees the great need week after week after week. She felt compelled to prayer walk the hospital. It's about understanding that all of life can be missional. And so we've got to continue to move forward. We've got to continue to figure out the Lord's direction. We've got to be thankful for the past, but we have got to anticipate the future. And so we're going to examine a text this morning that's going to help us understand why and how we do that. Take your Bibles and open to 1 Peter chapter 2. 1 Peter chapter 2. What if we were missional every day of our life? Now, 1 Peter is a very interesting book written by Peter, written about 62, 63 AD, or if you're a student, 63 CE, right? The common era, they've changed all that. If you're not aware, it's, I'm not going to talk about it. I'll get on my soapbox if I do. I'll be very careful because I have a history degree and it's just. 
frustrating to me. We base our years on the birth of Christ, but we won't say we do. Isn't that funny? So they've changed it. It's not A.D. anymore. It's not B.C. It's C.E. and B.C., the common era and before the common era. But we're going to still call it A.D. I'm going to rebel. How about that? Written about 63 A.D., 63 years after the death of Christ. Written to the believers in certain areas of the world, in certain areas of Asia. And the point of 1 Peter is for Peter to explain to these people their need for Christ in all things. In suffering, in times of joy. And so he's going to outline for them in 1 Peter chapter 2 a very clear way they ought to be living their life. So 1 Peter chapter 2, beginning in verse 9. We're going to focus on verses 9 through 12. But you, speaking to believers, are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness and into his wonderful light. What what incredible imagery, by the way, just in that one verse. It's such a beautiful picture of, of who we are in Christ. Verse 10. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Dear friends, I urge you as aliens and strangers in the world, to abstain from sinful desires which war against your soul. Live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits us. Now there's a a lot of truth in these few verses. In fact, as I studied through this this week and these last few days, there's so many things we could say There's so many Bible lessons and so many sermons we could take out of these few verses. It's just such rich with truth and imagery. But there's some truth in here, I think, that's at the core of what Peter's saying. And it helps us understand missional living. And it helps us understand our call to reach the world. So here's the first truth I want to think about this morning that Peter gives us. Number one, as we think about being missional and living for Christ in all aspects of our life. Number one, we must be missional. Because we have been rescued from the darkness. We ought to be missional because Christ has rescued us from the darkness. Now you may not be aware of this. You may not have quite considered it like this in the past. But if you are a follower of Jesus Christ, because of what he did for you, you are part of the greatest rescue in the history of the world. Christ took you and all your sinfulness and all the mistakes of your life, walking, sometimes staggering through the darkness, and because of what he did for you on the cross, he has now brought you into the light. We've been rescued, but here's the reality. Even though we've been part of the greatest rescue in the history of the world, most believers don't live their lives as if they have been rescued. If you're old enough, you'll remember back in the late 80s, baby Jessica. She's the little girl that fell down the well. How many of you remember baby Jessica? Yeah, most of you. It's funny because with the 8.30, 9.30, and 11 o'clock services, the, the ages kind of go down as I go through the services. So at 8.30, everybody remembered in here about two-thirds at 11 Not as many, so I'll have to explain the story. But baby Jessica in 1987 was like an 18-month-old little girl. She was visiting with her family, I think her aunt's house, and she's playing around in the backyard, and she stumbled across an 8-inch diameter well, and she fell into that pipe, 
22 feet down. You may remember the story. She spent 58 hours trapped in that well. They actually dug a parallel pipe beside her, you know, so the rescue worker could get down and then tunnel through to grab her and pull her out. 58 hours, and of course CNN covered it. And as I went back and kind of reread the story this week, it, took, it got worldwide attention. I mean, people all over the world followed baby Jessica. Now, I promise you something. If you were alive at that moment, and you experienced that and were part of that, I promise you, the next day you were talking with somebody about baby Jessica. I bet the week after that, it came up in conversation. I bet at some point in a month or two after that, somebody else brought it up or you saw some news story about it. It's so ingrained on our hearts and our minds that when I asked who remembered, everybody that was alive at that time, their hands went up, right? Why? Because rescues are big deals. And the more incredible the rescue, the more we want to talk about it. And the more we want to think about it. And the more it impacts us. Because when somebody is rescued from death, we celebrate and we cheer. The Bible tells us as followers of Jesus Christ, we are part of a rescue. We have been saved out of the darkness into the light. And it ought to lead us to tell others about it. It ought to lead us to live our lives differently. Now, some of you are probably thinking, now, wait a minute, Adam, you've used some very interesting imagery here. You've used this imagery imagery of light and darkness, and rescue, but those are, those are kind of generic terms. Just kind of, kind of simplify this for me just for a second. If you, what do you mean by dark and light and rescue? Well, here's the truth of the gospel. Here's what the gospel teaches us. We were all born sinful into a sinful world. And we make mistakes that keep us and separate us from the Lord. We have no way to get back because of our sinfulness. God is holy And he's separated from the sinfulness of the world. So there's no way to bridge that gap. So Christ comes to the world. He dies on the cross for our sins. And he offers a bridge so that we can come back into right relationship with the Lord. We've been living in the darkness of sin. Jesus Christ has rescued us. He's pulled us out of that sinful life. He's brought us through the cross into forgiveness and into salvation and into the light. Now, that's a huge, huge deal. In fact, far too many believers have kind of gotten over that. We just kind of forget about that. We live our lives as if we haven't ever been rescued or as if the rescue wasn't really that big of a deal after all. But I want you to notice the words that Peter uses in the first part of verse 9 to kind of explain to us exactly who we are. Look at those again. Bring that back up if you would, please. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9, the words of Peter, You are a... Chosen people. God says, I've chosen you for a purpose. I've got a plan for your life. I've got a goal for you. I want you to accomplish something in this world. It's not just about getting by to get by. It's not just about stumbling through life. It's not just about scratching out a living. It's not just about entertaining ourselves. It's about a purpose that the Lord has laid out before us and he's chosen for us to accomplish This young man that I baptized, Tristan, he's back there somewhere. There he is. When I talked to Tristan this week about salvation, one of the things I wanted him to understand is, hey man, God's got a plan for you. He didn't die on the cross so you could just skim by life. He didn't rescue you out of the darkness into the light so you can just show up at church and never do anything. 
He didn't give his life and his own blood and sacrifice himself so you could do nothing. He's got a plan for you. You're chosen to do great works. So the question becomes in our hearts and our minds, listen, if we've been rescued and God's chosen us and he's got a plan, what are we doing about it? What are we doing about that plan? But look, look, at, look at the other imagery he uses. Not only are we a chosen people, we're a royal priesthood. We've been adopted into the family of God. We weren't, were, we, we, we before we're not a people, he says in verse 10, now we are a people. Once we didn't have mercy, but now we've received mercy. Right? There's this before and after. We've been adopted into the kingdom of the Lord. We're a holy nation. That's the next phrase he uses. We're holy. We're different. We're set apart from the world. Why? Because of what Christ has accomplished in us. And maybe my most favorite part of that verse. Go back to verse 9. You're chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God, right? We belong to him. We're special. He didn't leave us out there and forget about us. He loved us so much that he sent his son to die on the cross for our sins and make us an incredible part of his story. And that's amazing, but there's more. This is what's so fascinating to me about this text. Not only does he lay out for us this idea of rescue, and the fact that we're holy and he's got a plan for us and he's developing us and he loves us and we're special to him. Not only is that the case, but look at the end of verse 9 again. You're, you're a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God. That or so that, watch this, there's, so, so there's some strings attached. He expects some things of us. He's done all these things for us so that you may, what? Just say those next three words. Declare the praises of him who called you out of the darkness, Right? God said, I've done all these things for you so you can declare to the world the praises of who I am. You see that? I have literally ripped you out of the darkness, out of the sinfulness of light, brought you into life and salvation so you can declare the praises to those who don't yet know. Mission LaGrange did some pretty cool things for us. And again, I'm going to talk about this for a long time, so... Be prepared to hear illustrations from Mission LaGrange. But of all the neat things that the Lord did, some of the neatest to me were the things that we didn't plan. <laughs> right? So we had this list of things, and the beautiful part about Mission LaGrange is that you guys did it. I mean, you literally headed it up, you made the plans, you recruited, you, made, you did all the things you had to do. It was beautiful. That's exactly what the church ought to be. But in addition to all of our plans, we had all these other things that took place that we had not planned and all these people that we met, and all these ministries we did that weren't on any sheet of paper anywhere. So Sunday afternoon, we sent a group out from Greenbrier Subdivision. My family decided to serve at Greenbrier at the Kids Club. We used to live in that subdivision. And so we met last Sunday afternoon, and we just walked the neighborhoods and just the surrounding areas, and we just handed out flyers to people and invited them to the Kids Club. So Mary Beth and Toby, who are in the next service, Mary Beth Smith and Toby, her fiancé, they'll be in the 11 o'clock service. They had a certain area, they had a street they were supposed to go down, Stewart Road. And so they get to the end of Stewart Road and they're about at the end of handing out their flyers and they go into the, kind of this final driveway and they turn in the driveway and as they're leaving, there's this guy that's coming out of the driveway and they just pass. And they, you know, stop and roll down the window and they just kind of hand him a flyer, they catch him as he's leaving. And they said, we're having a kids club, would like to invite you and your family. And he said, listen, that's great, I'm running, I can't talk about it. But he said, here's my card, I'm a full-time missionary. 
And so they come back after they've handed out all the flowers. I'm like, hey, we met this guy. He said he's a full-time missionary. Here's his card, right? So I go home, and I'm, I'm excited now because I'm already thinking, what's the Lord doing? You know, they, they happen to be at the house. He was leaving. You know, I kind of put two and two together. So I, I get the card, and he's got a website. And I go to his website, and this guy leads extreme mission trips. So here's what he does. If you want to go to any place in the world and talk to an unreached group, he'll take you there. He's partnered with the IMB. When I say anywhere in the world, I mean like Middle East. I mean Southeast Asia. He's been to Baghdad. So we had lunch together. I could not miss this opportunity, right? So I called the guy. I actually went to his house. I tried to find him. Two days in a row, I'm knocking on his door, right? Nobody's there. I could never get him. So I email him thinking he'll never email. He emails me back the same day. We meet for lunch on Friday. Here's the coolest part. He doesn't even live in that house. He's visiting. He's there for a couple days with his sister-in-law. He's going back to Louisiana. We go to lunch. And he starts telling me these stories of where he's been. And of course, my mind's just racing. What is the Lord doing here? And we didn't make any, none of y'all are going to Baghdad yet, okay? So don't get scared. That's 2016. We're praying about that, okay? But I just enjoy talking to him because he starts telling me these stories. And he talks about going to Morocco, which is closed and, and Muslim and very difficult. And he, he tells this long, interesting story about how the Lord directed him. And he found himself in this village and in this hut, literally surrounded by all the Muslim leaders of that area. So there's eight or ten guys in there that are Muslim leaders. And they're sitting in this little village in northern Africa in the middle of nowhere in the desert. And they're talking to him and... They start talking about their faith and what they believe, and he starts asking them questions about who they are. And they go through their whole spill about the five pillars and all they believe. And when they get to the end, the leader looks at this guy and says, what do you believe? <laughs> this guy had a chance to share Christ with Muslim leaders in northern Africa. He said, you know, I had no right to be there. It shouldn't have worked out like that. But just by the providence of God, I got there. He said, I was scared to death. He said, I didn't know if they were friendly to me, if they were going to try to kill me. He said, I didn't know anything about it. But he said, I got in that moment, and I had this opportunity to share Christ, and I prayed for boldness, and the Lord gave it to him. And he told the story of how we've been rescued out of the darkness into the light. Now, I don't know if those men are saved or not, but he planted a seed. And he took opportunity because he had been rescued because of who Christ was in him to share the gospel with these men that so desperately needed to hear. So here's the question we need to ask ourselves. Are we serious about our rescue? Does it mean enough to us that we're willing to actually do something about it? You see, we we need to be missional because we've been rescued from darkness. Now, verse 11 of 1 Peter 2. Let's continue through this passage. Dear friends, Peter says, I urge you, right? So here's kind of another command. As aliens and strangers in the world to abstain from sinful desires which war against your soul. Here's the second truth I want you to understand this morning. In order to be missional, we must be holy. In order to be missional, we must be holy. Now, Peter uses two very interesting words here at the very beginning of verse 11. Dear friends, I urge you, he says, as foreigners and exiles. Here's the imagery that Peter wants us to understand. He says aliens and strangers here. Because you've been rescued 
Because you've been pulled out of the darkness, out of the sinfulness of the world, and Christ has rescued you and brought you into the light, the earth, this place, is no longer your home. That's what he's saying to us. Now, you're going to live here for a period of time, but your home is eternal in heaven with Christ. You'll live here for a certain number of years, you'll die, and when you die, if you have a relationship with Jesus Christ, you'll spend eternity with Him in heaven. That's your real home. Now, because this place is temporary, because you're not going to be here eternally, guess what? You ought to live your life differently here than you would in other places. Now, let me tell you what I mean by that. When you go out of town, when you go overseas, you go somewhere on vacation, you don't live your life the same way there that you live your life here. When I was in India just a a couple of months ago, we had the opportunity to experience some, some pretty incredible things. And by the way, let me just pause. I've got my notes to say this. I forgot to say this earlier. If you are interested in India, if you're interested in South Asia, we are doing an interest meeting today following the 11 o'clock service. We're going to tell you a little bit more detail. We're going to take two trips next year for sure. One is set. The other is still in flux right now. But if you're interested, immediately after the 11 o'clock service, room C202, bottom floor, left in the fellowship hall. If you're interested in that, come and hear a little bit more about it. When we were there, we saw, of course, that everything was different. The language was different. The temperature was different. It was very hot. The food was different. The, the, The culture was different. The religion was different. Transportation was different. Everything was different. But we endured it for two reasons. One, we were called to go. But the second reason we were able to endure it is because we knew we were going home. (laughs) We knew this wasn't our home. And when you go other places, you live differently, right? When you you go out of town, you don't buy a house because you know you're not going to be there very long. You don't go overseas on vacation and learn the language just because you're going to be there a week. You endure differences in culture because you know that's not your permanent home. Here's what Peter wants us to understand. The earth is temporary for us. We ought to be making decisions based on the eternal, not the temporary. How many decisions in our life are guided by what we want to do now? How many decisions do we make based on what's going on currently? And again, I know we live here and we have to make decisions. I'm not saying that. But how often do we make decisions based on the eternal? You say, I can't go on mission because I'm I'm busy doing this. Well, you know what? This may be important, but are you making an eternal decision here? I can't serve because I've got too many other things going on over here. Are you making an eternal decision? I can't share Christ because I'm afraid of what the person made. Are you making an eternal decision? How are you living your life? Are you living your life as if the earth is your home? Or are you living it, as Peter says, as a foreigner, as a stranger? Right, so so we're, we're different. We're set apart. We're pulled out. But then he gives us this command, right? You're different. This isn't your home. You need to be making eternal decisions. Now look at what he says in the second part of verse 11. Dear friends, I urge you as foreigners and exiles to abstain from sinful desires which wage war against your soul. Peter says, if if you're going to be missional, if you're going to live for me, you need to be holy. Why? Because the sinfulness of the world keeps us from the things of Christ. How many people have we known that have accepted Christ as their Lord and Savior? But at some point in their walk, they took a step kind of in the wrong direction and they justified it. It's just one little step. It's okay. And then they took another little step. And I'm just, 
I'm just two steps away. It's really, and then three steps and four steps. And before they know it, they're totally separated from the things of the Lord. And they can't figure out why the Lord's not blessing them. They can't figure out why they're not useful for the kingdom. It's because they've stepped away from the will of the Lord. They've been sucked into this life of, of sinfulness of, or this life of walking away from who Christ called them to be. Peter warns us against that. Be careful. Your sinfulness will keep you from the things of the Lord. You need to be holy. You need to seek Christ in all things. So what sort of things, I started thinking, I made a little list. What sort of things are keeping us from fully serving the Lord? What, what are the barriers that we've put up in our, in our own lives? Do we have an unhealthy desire to be successful in life? Are we more interested in success than in following the things of the Lord? Do we have a, a great desire for material possessions and we desire those things so much we're not interested in following Christ? Are we so afraid of what other people may say that we're not interested in being bold for the kingdom? Are, are we so interested in, in serving ourselves and entertaining ourselves that we're not willing to set aside our own desires in favor of the kingdom? See, if, if we're going to be missional and we're really going to make a difference, we need to be holy. We need to live our lives for the honor and the glory of Christ. Now, let's finish up this morning. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 12. This is maybe the most telling portion of this passage of Scripture. Live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits us. Here's the third truth. When we are missional, we glorify the Lord. When we are missional, we glorify the Lord. The Lord. That's fascinating to me. When Peter wrote this, I gave you the date when he wrote it. He wrote this thing almost 2,000 years ago. But he makes this very interesting comment, right? Live your life among the pagans. Now, the, the NIV uses pagans. King James, ESV, I think, uses Gentiles. Here's what he's basically saying, unbelievers. So we could rephrase this to say something like this. Live such good lives among unbelievers that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day that he visits us. Here's what Peter's saying. There are people out there, Christian, who's going to talk badly about you. There are people out there, Christian, who think you're wrong. There are people out there, believer, who do not understand what you're trying to accomplish. But he makes this fascinating point. He says, live good lives among unbelievers... Though even though they accuse you of doing wrong, they see your good deeds and they glorify God. You see that? Here's what he's saying. There are people that are going to disagree with you. They're going to be angry at who you are because of what you believe. They're not going to like you. They're going to accuse you of doing wrong. But if you'll do good deeds and love them in the name of Christ, they'll notice. See that? That's what Peter says. They may not like what you're saying. They, they may not agree with them. They may say something like this. You know, I don't, I don't know that I agree with what you're saying, but man, y'all really loved people last week. That was amazing. Or they may say something like this. I don't, I don't fully understand all about Jesus, and I'm not even sure I agree with it. Man, y'all spoke volumes to me last week when you walked into the community and loved these people in the name of Christ. See, Peter says if you can't get somebody to listen to what you're going to say, when people disagree with who you are, you need to be kind to them. You need to love them. You need to share with them. And you need to do good deeds in front of them because they'll notice those things. I was, I was amazed last week. And so many of you had the same experience. 
with the number of people that walked up to us and said something like this, what are you guys doing, right? <laughs> I mean, there are all these green shirts and all this stuff going on, all these people, what are y'all doing? And we begin to share what we're doing, and they usually say something like this, that's awesome. We love it. We had lots of people, sadly, that said something like this, you know, I wish my church did something like that. I wish we would reach out to the community. Here's the point. People are going to notice how you act, right? They may not always listen to what you say, but if you'll love them in the name of Christ, it'll give you an opportunity to share the gospel with them. See, there's a lot of groups that can go out and can feed people. There's a lot of groups that can go out and do kids' clubs and have crafts and activities. There are a lot of people that can go out and put up some speakers and do some music in a park. There are lots of groups that can do those sorts of things. But there's only one group that can share the truth of Christ with the lost and dying world. That's us. That's our niche, right? We kind of got the market cornered. And so we're going to love people in the name of Christ. We're going to do music. We're going to do crafts. We're going to play games. We're going to pay for people's laundry. We're going to do construction. We do all those things. Why? So they'll see our good deeds and the Lord will receive glory. Because we're the only group that's capable of doing that. Bring the main title screen back up if you would please when I finish. I started this week in this sermon with this question. What if? (laughs) What if Mission LaGrange for us was really just the beginning? What if we lived as missionaries every day? What if we actually recognized the need around us and felt compelled to do something about it? What if we actually took the initiative to reach people for Christ in our neighborhood, in our area, in our community? What, what, what if we took seriously the calling to be missional? Just imagine if we lived our lives like we acted last week. Imagine, just imagine this. Imagine how the Lord would impact your heart. Imagine how the Lord would impact the hearts of your family. And imagine how the Lord would impact this community. I can promise you one thing. If we lived missionally every single day, it would be unlike anything we've ever experienced for his honor and for his glory. Let's pray. Father, we love you. We desire to serve you. We, we desire to be better, Lord. We, we desire to be missional, to, to share the gospel. Father, I'm just so encouraged and excited about last week. I'm, I'm so excited about all you did, Lord, and about all you accomplished in, in our hearts and in the hearts of the people that we shared with in our community, Lord. And we praise your name for what you did. And we're never going to forget that. We're going to remember that, Father. That's going to be just such an important week for our church. But I pray, Lord, that that would just be the beginning for us. May that kickstart just, just a revolution within this church and with the hearts of our people, Lord, to be missional, to go out into the world and to realize I can do this every day. To realize there's great need out there, Father. You, you, do, a, you do a mighty work in our hearts, Father. We just beg you. You do a mighty work in our hearts to help us understand how to live for you seriously every day moment of our lives. And then you receive all the honor and the glory. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. You can stand. We're going to give you a couple minutes to pray. Maybe you want to come pray at the altar. Maybe you want to pray where you are. Maybe you want to pray about being missional. What would it look like if you lived missionally every moment of every day? Maybe you need to repent of your sins and accept Christ. Or maybe you need to join the church. But this is your time to respond as we sing together. You come.
Thank you for joining today's sermon. We would love to hear how today's message blessed you. Use the Contact Us link on our website at rosemontchurch.org. God bless.